Day 14. The Third Voyage As I was still in the prime of life, it pleased me better to be up and doing, so once more providing myself with the rarest and choicest merchandise of Baghdad, I conveyed it to Balsora and set sail with other merchants of my acquaintance for distant lands. One day, upon the open sea, we were caught by a terrible wind, which finally drove us into harbor on a strange island. There suddenly appeared a vast multitude of hideous savages, not more than two feet high and covered with reddish fur. Hoisting the sails and cutting the cable of the anchor, they sailed our vessel to a further island, where they drove us ashore. Then, taking possession of her, they made off to the place from which they had come, leaving us helpless upon a shore. We wandered miserably inland when we saw a castle, lofty and strongly built. Pushing back the heavy doors, we entered the courtyard, but we paused, frozen with horror at the sight which greeted us. On one side lay a huge pile of bones, human bones, and on the other numberless spits for roasting. When the sun was setting, a horrible giant entered. He was as tall as a palm tree and had only one eye. His teeth were long and sharp, and he had ears like elephants' ears and nails like the claws of some fierce bird. He came towards the captain, and finding him the fattest of us all, he took him up in one hand and struck him upon a spit and proceeded to kindle a huge fire to roast him. After the giant had supped, he lay down to sleep, and when day broke, he awoke and went out, leaving us in the castle. Submitting to our sad fate, we spent the day wandering up and down the island, eating fruits we could find, and when night came, we returned to the castle, having sought in vain for any other place of shelter. At sunset the giant returned supped upon one of our unhappy conrads, slept and snored till dawn, and then left us as before. I had a plan of escape, and they at once agreed to attempt. Listen, my brothers, I added. You know that plenty of driftwood lies along the shore. Let us make several rafts and carry them to a suitable place. If our plot succeeds... We can wait patiently for the chance of some passing ship to rescue us from this fatal island. If it fails, we must quickly take to our raft. We have more chance of saving our lives with them than we have if we remain here. We spent the day in building rafts, each capable of carrying three persons. At nightfall we returned to the castle, and very soon came the giant. The time of our vengeance was at hand. As soon as he had finished his horrible meal, he lay down to sleep as before. And when we heard him begin to snore, I and nine of the boldest of my comrades rose softly and took each a spit, and then at a given signal we plunged it with one accord into the giant's eye, completely blinding him. He fumbled about till he found the door, and fled out of it howling frightfully. But morning light showed us our enemy approaching us. Supported by two other giants, 
Hesitating no longer, we clambered upon our rafts and rowed with all our might. The giants seized up huge pieces of rock and hurled them after us with such good aim that all the rafts except the one I was upon were swamped. The next morning, I and my two companions found ourselves near an island, upon which we gladly landed. There we found delicious fruits, and having satisfied our hunger, we presently lay down to rest upon the shore. Suddenly we were aroused by a loud rustling noise, and saw an immense snake gliding towards us over the sand. So swiftly it came that it had seized one of my comrades before he had time to flee. By this time my other companion and I were running for our lives. Finally, we climbed up into a tall tree. When night came, I fell asleep, but only to be awakened once more by the terrible snake. It swallowed my sleeping comrade and crawled away, leaving me half dead with terror. When the sun rose, I determined to do all I could to save myself. All day long I collected quantities of dry brushwood, reeds, and thorns, and made a circle of them under my tree. I piled them firmly one upon another until I had a kind of tent. The next morning I came out of my tent and crawled down to the sea. Feeling that it would be better to plunge from the cliffs and end my life at once than pass such another night of horror. But to my joy and relief I saw a ship sailing by, and by shouting wildly and waving my turban I managed to attract the attention of her crew. A boat was sent to rescue me, and very soon I found myself on board. After I had told my story, they regaled me with the choicest food the ship afforded. After sailing about for some time and touching at many ports, we came at last to the island of Salahat. And as I stood there watching the merchants disembarking their goods and preparing to sell or exchange them, the captain came up to me and said, I have here, brother, some merchandise belonging to a passenger of mine who is dead. Will you do me the favor to trade with it? And... When I meet with his heirs, I shall be able to give them the money, and you shall have a portion for your trouble. He pointed the bales out to me, and sent for the person to keep a list of the goods upon the ship. When this man came, he asked in what name the merchandise was to be registered. In the name of Sinbad the Sailor, replied the captain. At this I was greatly surprised. But looking carefully at him, I recognized him to be the captain of the ship upon which I had made my second voyage. As for him, believing me to be dead, it was no wonder that he had not recognized me. So, captain, I said, the merchant who owned those bales was called Sinbad? Yes, he replied. He was so named, he belonged to Baghdad and joined my ship at Balsora, but by mischance he was left behind upon a desert island. I cried, I am that Sinbad who fell asleep upon the island and awoke to find himself abandoned. The captain stared at me in amazement, 
but was presently convinced that I was indeed speaking the truth, and rejoiced greatly at my escape. Now take your goods, and the profit I have made for you upon them. I took them gratefully, and as we went from one island to another, I laid in stores of cloves, cinnamon, and other spices. So by degrees we came back to Balsora, and I returned to Baghdad with so much money. I gave largely to the poor, and bought much land to add to what I already possessed, and thus ended my third voyage. When Sinbad had finished his story, he gave another one hundred sequins to Hindbad, who then departed with the other guests. But next day, when they had all reassembled and the banquet was ended, their host continued his adventures. <laughs>